Welcome to the Geek-Centric Podcast. Today we're talking about Black Panther 2 hitting another snag. Taika Waititi's a pirate, and the boy who lives is playing a guy who's weird. All this and everything else that happened this week in Geek. Hello, I'm Jayla, but you can call me Justin. And if you're joining us for the first time, well, we are Geekcentric, a podcast covering the world of movies, TV shows, toys, collectibles, gaming, and all things Geekcentric. Joining me for today's meaty-filled news episode are my two lovely co-hosts, Kevin Hudson, Nate Shelton. How are you, boys? Boys, how are you now? (laughs) Doing well. There's so... It feels like everything happened in the last week in the in the Geekiverse. It feels like there's so much to go through. Yep, some small, some big, and uh, you know we'll be getting to that shortly. But before we do, we usually like to kick things off like we always do uh, with our whatcha uh, for the week. So, guys, what 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 you been up to? Uh, what you've been enjoying? Who wants to share first? So I was having a watch the other day, and I'll tell you, bud, I've been laying my peeps on a pert near perfect show. You. An absolute peach of a program, if you will. A bar down celly of the kind of townsfolk you might find in any given rural Ontario homestead. It's like a wheel snipe celly of everything that makes small town Canada one of a kind. And I'll tell you, these folks are odd. We're talking Sweeney odd. We're talking odd McFarlane. We're talking odd squad starring Omar Epps. We're talking suicide odd. No, <laughs> let's go with the suicide odd. Much better movie. So why do I like this show? It's because it might be better than toe curling. It might be better than throwing hip. It might be better than taking the old sled out for a rip. And it's definitely better than ripping schneef off the back of a urinal. It's because these boys are the absolute epitome of impossible, improbable intelligence. These orally obnoxious optimists can't be matched when it comes to their utterly unabashed uniqueness. And if you tell me you haven't checked it out, you're going to have to pump the brakes and sort yourself out. We might just have to go tarps off and throw hands in a good old-fashioned Donnybrook. This show is definitely not just fur to boys or D-Gens either. Specifically, if you are a fan of Trailer Park Boys, I highly suggest you grab a bag of all-dressed chips or a sando and figure it out. Pitter-patter, let's get at her. If you guessed I'm talking about the Crave Original Series Letter Kenny. That's a Texas size 10 for good buddy. <laughs> oh, I was like, what is this performance wow. that's going yeah. on? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't realize that what she was going to turn into like a, a poetry a reading. Word. Should we yeah, snap? I was like, should I snap? Let's snap. Let's snap. snap. Let's Everyone. snap. That was I'm great. You, Beautiful. If you've seen this show, you would understand the, I've, the I've wordsmanship, yeah. the, the, the way this guy writes television is so unique. And just as somebody who loves, you know, writing in something, it's just, I'm such a big fan of, of what Jared Kiso has done on this show and i'm shocked that it took me this long in 10 seasons Likewise. to finally tune in and, and check it out i thought you've already watched it no I'd, ne- I'd never seen it but this is definitely my new favorite canadian show by far Dope. really wow oh even even more so than uh, trailer park boys i mean it might be it might be just you know the recency bias but uh i think it might actually be more clever in terms of the writing than trailer park boys wow jeez that's saying a lot that's saying Quite a lot. literally. Quite literally. <laughs> uh, Nate, how about yourself? What you been up um, to, bro? You know what? I have just been uh, diving into uh, back into the Righteous Gemstones, caught up on there, got to enjoy seeing where all those crazy characters are at. 
Um, and that show just makes me laugh so much, even just to think about it. Um, this this week's episode, it's not a spoiler to say, but uh, uh, BJ got uh, baptized. And just the ceremony <laughs> they hold for this guy and the clothing choice that he makes is incredible. So I just, uh, I can't, I, I love it so much. Um, and I've also been um, diving, oddly enough, into a video game that I said... I would never get into, uh, which is Fortnite. I've been playing Fortnite, and honestly, I hate that I like it. <laughs> I hate that I like it so much. Me too. Um, you know what I'm saying? It's it's not the kind of game that I thought I would ever really get into, mm. but I will say I'm, I'm never going to play it alone. Uh, it, it does only feel good to play when you've got a squad, when you've got a group sure. of people. Um, I'm going to try to jump back into halo to see if i can offset some of this Fortnite stuff that's going on um but yeah that's pretty much what i've been watching besides that of course you know we've got our uh ozark uh review uh out now so you can definitely go check that out see what we thought because that's the uh that's about the only other thing i've been watching yeah yeah no i i totally agree i uh my week consisted of watching Ozark season four for our review. But I also had a chance to uh, watch Peacemaker, finally. I, I got into the, the first three episodes. What'd you think? Um, I'm loving it. I'm yeah. absolutely loving it. I love Cena. I think he's so great. His comedy, it, it works for his character. In episode three, like the scene with the judo master when he's tied up is some great <laughs> one-liners that he throws at him yeah. that are just absolutely hilarious. Um, and, and I like the representation of, you know, strong female characters, uh, you know, Jennifer Holland being one of them and, you know, Daniel Brooks, who's obviously going to be very, very integral as we uh, go further down this series. Um, I love the introduction of his father, like you guys mentioned last week. I think his characters, you know, it's going to be interesting to see where where things will land with him um but yeah i'm i'm like very interested i'm invested i feel like they've done enough in the first three episodes to actually make me interested in enough of these characters that i want to see more like it doesn't feel like any are lacking at this point it just feels like it is very much continuing that um ensemble motif which we talked about last week that you know kind of branches from the suicide squad so yeah i'm i'm excited i i'm i think we should uh maybe uh, when it's all said and done we do a spoiler filled uh review recap discussion sort of thing 100 percent. i mean i will quickly say i would like to see peacemaker be the peacemaker that we saw in the suicide squad because we haven't really gotten much of that yet. I haven't seen episode four yet, so maybe maybe that's where that emerges. But I'm, I am hoping to see a bit of him be an actual threat like he was in the movie. Sure. I, 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 think, I think also, too, though, a lot of that was for show. And I think what the first three episodes kind of demonstrate is that there's something else behind the character that we just didn't get a chance to explore in the Suicide Squad. And I think a lot of what he was, you know, putting out there and personifying was built off of the image that he wants people to have. And I think what in these first three episodes that I've watched, because I, again, I haven't watched episode four as well. It seems as though he's trying to negotiate with what he's expecting and what people expect around of him. Right. So he's balancing yeah. those, those two personas. And um, I think that's, he's sort of trying to find himself in these, you know, in this series. So it's interesting to see, I think they've set, you know, James Gunn has done a really good job, at least in these, first three episodes to set up a bit of an internal conflict that we see in 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 peacemaker for sure and i I definitely like that he's not just a one-dimensional character who's all about kill 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 but let me see him 
you know, snipe some people and use anything around him as a weapon and, and, and whatnot, you know, like that terrific scene at the, at the camp in, uh, in, in the movie itself. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I do think though that the death, him killing Rick flag fucked him up. So I will say that. That broke um, him. I like that. Yeah, that broke him. Yeah. A hundred percent. So, uh, but with our, what's you out of the way, nice little primer conversation there. Uh, I think we should get into all the juicy stuff that happened this week. Nate said it, it was a busy ass week. And, uh, due to that, I am going to flip the script today. We're going to start with trailers. That's okay with you. So let's cue that banjo. It's trailer time. All right. Our first trailer. Uh, Our Flags Mean Death from HBO Max coming out in 2022. The cast consists of Taika Waititi, Fred Armisen, uh, Nat Faxon, I believe is how you say his name, Mm -hmm. Leslie Jones, Ewan Bremner, uh, Reese Darby, and the list goes on. I just decided to cut it there. There's quite quite a few people. Um, And the synopsis reads as such, the year is 1717. Wealthy landowner Steed Bonnet has a midlife crisis and decides to blow up his cushy life to become a pirate. It does not go well, based on a true story. What did you guys think of this uh, comedy parody? I mean, you put... Nat Faction in a Taika Waititi show about pirates, and I'm absolutely sold. That's that's all I needed to hear. I think Nat Faction is one of the funniest guys out there, and he's so underutilized mm-hmm. that I think he's just going to be able to do so much with, with the brilliance that is Taika Waititi's writing. I mean, we've got freaking, yeah, Reese Darby leading this crew of pirates it reminds me of the office cross with like what we do in the shadows mixed with pirates of the caribbean yeah yeah, and we get hbo level production quality on top of that are you are you kidding me like where did this come from i'm so stoked to see it i'm also stoked to sort of see taika in my personal in my heart (laughs) redeem himself as a bad guy because in free guy i know we kind of had some qualms with his his character his villain character in that movie and so i think this is the a a better world it might be a better fit for him tonally to to finally jump in as the bad guy we all want but honestly i mentioned righteous gemstones at the top of the show this seems like it's going to bring the laughs and it feels like that but i feel like we're also going to get those moments of seriousness that the and and those are going to be the hooks those are going to be the things that have us say we need to get back to the series not just to laugh but also to see really what's going to happen to these characters i i do feel like it's it's probably going to lean more on the the parody but i do think that yeah it's it's going to be interesting to see how you know this cast is very much known for either just being who they are to a character that they portray that is very much them so Taika Waititi as, as playing as Blackbeard, you know, I feel like it's going to be very similar to how we saw him as Hitler in in Jojo, right? Very much, you know, Taika Waititi as Hitler. This is going to be Taika Waititi as Blackbeard. Sure. I'm also stoked to see, um, I mean, Kristen, uh, is it Nairn, how you pronounce his name? Um, I mean, Hodor himself is in this show, um, along with... Um, Fellow uh, Game of Thrones alumnus Joel Fry, who, right. uh, who's got some serious comedy chops himself. So yeah, yeah but I think yeah. I think the other cool thing with with characters like that and with actors like that, 
I mean, all these actors, they do have the ability to bring those moments of, of you know, uh, times where comedy, but also like drama. Drama, yeah, it's good. Yeah. They're good. They have the ability. I mean, especially with someone like Joel Fry, I think we saw some of his excellent acting in uh, in Cruella recently, and to see that sort of character style brought here, um, I'm excited. I'm excited to see where they can take this beyond just the laughs. But I do think, yeah, we're gonna get a ton of laughs. I don't know. I think I think you'll be disappointed if you're looking for anything more serious than what we do in the shadows. I think it'll yeah. be very much of that vein. Really? Okay. Yeah, I, think yeah. So. Yeah. I don't think I everything think so HBO does has to be loaded with drama and seriousness. Um, well, 2022 HBO max. We shall see. There's no official date unless you guys found one. I didn't No. Um, nope. well after this, uh, everything is animated. So <laughs> let's get into the animated trailers. The first one here, uh, cuphead, the Cuphead show, more specifically, from Netflix, uh, cast starring uh, True Valentino as Cuphead, Frank Todaro as Mugman. Based on the award-winning video game, the Cuphead show follows the unique misadventures of lovable, impulsive scamp Cuphead and his cautious but easily swayed brother, Mugman. Um, what do you guys think of this? It feels and looks like uh, it'll be like a Disney parody with some really dark, twisted elements that might play a little bit more to adults and... You know, might just have a little bit more fun. I, I got like very much like the Ren and Stimpy vibes yeah. as well, too, in terms of the aesthetic. So I, I'm I'm in, I'm intrigued to see what is. I I hope it's better than the game because the game I just could not get past the first level. So I mean, you're gonna it's might it's probably gonna be more accessible than the game in the sense that if you don't do anything, it'll keep going. <laughs> Whereas with the game, you're at level zero if that happens. Um, I mean, the Moldenhauers. Chad and Jared have created such an incredible world within Cuphead. Um, and it's just fun to see these characters explored with more depth than just the, the you know, non-speaking characters in the game. But I think, you know, the animation looks incredible. Simulated film degradation uh, just looks so cool to give it that really vintage vibe. Uh, yeah. The ragtime music, yeah. right, is going to be so much fun. And obviously there's going to be musical elements to the show that's a For huge sure. aspect of the game sure. um but wayne brady as king dice is perfect casting uh and i'm so i'm so excited to kind of see where they where they take the show um it's obviously going to be super light it's going to be you know kind of um i feel like i feel like if the, if there is anything any aspect to it beyond again speaking about beyond the comedy i think they might sort of try to strike a balance of the Almost the sort of stuff you'd find in Adventure Time or Steven Universe in terms sure. of storytelling. Um, but I am I'm stoked for it. I uh, yeah. I'm really excited to see where they go with it. Um, I hope it. I do hope it's kind of like a one and done season for them. I don't think they need to do anything more than that. Just give us this nice little story uh, while we wait for more DLC from uh, from the game. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it looks great. I I think I'm very intrigued by the world that they've captured in the in the preview and the animation looks really really good so i'm I'm excited to see uh that that also not an official date but 2022 uh is what i have here so we'll have to wait and see uh but on to our next animated piece of content it's for the boys diabolical this is actually like two trailers there was like a announcement trailer uh with call urban who kind of lays the groundwork talking about what this is and then there was an actual like preview which looked like a mini episode uh the boys diabolical is amazon prime's uh animated anthology spin-off series which drops march 4th 
The anthology consists of eight episodes and promises to tell deliciously unique and twisted stories cooked up by celebrity friends of producer Eric Kripke, Seth Rogen, and Evan Goldberg. And those famous friends also include Aquafina, Justin Roiland, Andy Samberg, Aisha Tyler, and of course, Goldberg and Rogen themselves, just to name a few. I'm kind of digging this idea of you know, doing an animatrix style, you know, building out the world of of something with animated. So it'll be interesting to see how each of the styles are are going to be different if that's the case, if they, if they are. So, yeah, no, it definitely has that same sort of uh, Disney inspired aesthetic to it. I mean, yeah. if you had just described this to me without showing me anything, I'm not sure how interested or or excited I would have been for it. But just that little. 30 second clip we get and we see you see just how crazy and zany they can get with this and I think they're going to be able to do things in this show that just wouldn't work with the vibe of the live action show and I think uh, they'll be able to have a lot of fun with it so seeing that clip I went okay I get where they're going with this and and that really turned turned me around on my excitement for it Yeah, you said zany I also think loony uh, very much looney tunes vibes but they can they don't have to hold back with the violence they don't have to hold back with the disturbing stuff and I think I think in a way you're right Kevin uh, because it's animation it almost affords them the ability to do even more crazy and disgusting things with this show um, that I, I don't know how in canon it's going to be, but I, I do like the idea, Justin, that you brought up of like it's it, it sort of lightly will add to the world of the boys here and there. Um, I don't know if we'll see any crossover between this and the main series. I but, don't think um, so. I've, no, no, no. But it's supposed <laughs> to build up the universe, right? Like, I okay. think they're having liberties of telling stories within this universe, whether right. they get referred to or acknowledged, right? Well, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure that we w- wouldn't see someone like Homelander fly through, do something and fly off or something, you know, just to, mm-hmm. it'll be more that the, the the live action works its way into the, the animated. animated show rather than yeah. we'll see anything there from the animated show in the live action right. sense. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. No, this one comes out uh, March 4th, 2022. So we, we don't have to wait too long for that. Diabolical. Um, yeah. June 3rd, 2022 is when the boys come out. So it's, it's well before. Uh, so it'll, it'll be a nice kind of primer. If you will, just to kind of get you reintroduced to the world, Re-sensit- uh, re-desensitized uh, to the crazy yeah. violence and mayhem. <laughs> um, okay, well, this next one isn't really a trailer as much as it is sort of an extended look at a video game, Lego Star Wars: The Skywalker Saga, coming out April fifth, uh, twenty twenty-two. The galaxy is yours with Lego Star Wars, the Skywalker saga. Play through all nine Star Wars saga films in a brand new Lego video game unlike any other. Experience fun-filled adventures, whimsical humor, and the freedom of fully immersing yourself in the Lego Star Wars universe. Now, what's interesting about it, and they they obviously put this in this extended uh, gameplay experience trailer, if you will, uh, is that you can choose your own adventure. You don't necessarily need to go in the order of the events. Uh, so I think that's that's very, very cool. As well as a lot of cool like upgrading and combo moves and yeah. a lot of variety of different things. So I mean, I'll, I'll just say this is, again, like um, the, the last trailer we talked about there. Whereas if you just told me about it, I wouldn't be all that interested. I played one or two Lego games back in the day and just thought it's all the same thing. You run around, you smash some bricks, you make something, you move on. And so 
when I first saw this, I thought, oh boy, I, uh, this does nothing for me. But the fact that it looks like, I mean, I'm not sure if maybe in later games or I was just missing something, but it just feels like they've added so much to this in terms of mini games and every level looks like you're going to be doing something a little different if it's, you know, fighting with with guns or staffs or right to flying the Millennium Falcon to it looks like you're orchestrating the entire Battle of Naboo in an overhead sort of simulation war style game. I mean, it just looks like they're sort of incorporating every different element of video games into it. And that seems like it would definitely prevent it from being repetitive and boring. Yeah, it's, you know, this game has been worked on uh, since 2017. Um, and, you know, not to p- put a downer on it, but uh, TT Games and Traveler's Tales, like, this game was originally supposed to come out October 20th, 2020, uh, and I've had it pre-ordered ever since. Uh, but unfortunately, there's been recently some some talks and, and some reveals that the team was really suffering from crunch, uh, really bad management at TT Games uh, and Traveler's Tales. So as excited as I am for this game... I'm totally fine with them taking as much time as they need for them to work comfortably and work, you know, in a safe and fair environment. Um, but this is this is looking like one of my most anticipated games of this year. And Horizon Forbidden West comes out this year. So in in like a, a few weeks even. So I'm, I'm blown away by this look. The animation has gotten an upgrade. The textures, the the lighting in this game look phenomenal it looks like real lego and i love that we've got like a closer angle to our minifigs whereas before you know with the lego games it sort of took like a almost like a pseudo top-down approach this time we're getting an actual third person uh game and i love that they don't have to worry about voice actors they're just going to use voice clips from the movies there's over 300 characters to unlock all of them falling within nine different upgradable classes with all different abilities. It like it's just the amount of effort put into this game and work put into this game are it, it's staggering. Like it's it's going to be one of those things where y- it'll take forever to experience all of it and I'm so looking forward to it. Um there's a bunch of different modes like retro mode, television mode. At the end you saw uh mumble mode shown off where there's and it, that's a callback to the original Star Wars Lego games where that's all they did was mumble. And so I just, I love the the dedication not only to Lego fans, um, mm. but to Lego video game fans and, and also to Star Wars fans. It's just, it's absolutely phenomenal. April 5th, I'm so, so excited for it. Yeah, I'm very excited to see uh, this game in action. Um, I'm not sure what consoles it's going to be landing on is it being going to be landing on yeah it's so we're going to see it on everything it's going to be on xbox uh playstation 4 5 uh and nintendo switch as well as pc and the special edition which i've got on pre-order of course comes with a luke skywalker with blue milk and i'm so amped for that minifigure uh just to have a little representation of blue milk in the lego universe perfect i'm so stoked dope dope um, okay, well, our f- last trailer is actually a teaser. Uh, it is for Guillermo, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, which comes out uh, on in, sometime this year, 2022, on Netflix, uh, set during uh, Benito Mussolini's fascist reign over Italy in the 1930s. Del Toro's Pinocchio uh, once again tells the tale of a wooden puppet who suddenly comes to life, much to his woodcarver father's surprise. 
Unlike some of the other Pinocchio tellings, though, that we might be familiar with, uh, the film's Pinocchio quickly gets into the sort of cruel mischief that puts him at odds with Geppetto. Uh, played by David Bradley, and Pinocchio, played by Gregory Mann. Geppetto, of course, loves his son, but can't help but see that he isn't exactly what one would call a nice child. Uh, Pinocchio is co-directed by Mark Gustafson and written by Del Toro and Patrick McHale. The film also stars Ewan McGregor, who is featured in the teaser, as none other than Sebastian J. Cricket. Uh, the movie also stars Tilda Swinton, uh, Christoph Waltz, Finn Wolfhart, Kate Blanchett, John Turturro, Ron Perlman, Tim Blake Nielsen, and Bern Gorman. Uh, so yeah, this looks fantastic. I love this sort of... Do you guys ever uh, see James and the Giant Peach? Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. It just feels very stop-motion-esque with, you know... Uh, the right amount of 3D. It looks looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. But two this year we're going to get two Pinocchio stories by the sound right. of it. Right. So. Watching the teaser, I was like, wait, is this the one with Tom Hanks or is it not the one with Tom Hanks? Uh, this is not the one with Tom Hanks by Disney. No. And that, um, that in a way also makes me really excited. I think we've seen examples of this in the past where, you know, we got Studios the compete. the yeah the Day of the Dead in the same year that we got uh, Coco. You know what I mean? And, and both of those movies absolutely excellent um so i love i love getting to see these studios sort of um go go in and show these different yeah. stories but at this even at the same time um i'm excited probably for uh you know from a voice acting standpoint david bradley as geppetto is so cool fin uh, yeah. filch himself in there ewan mcgregor our boy hello there as the cricket um, and then, dude, Ron Perlman as Mangiafuco, uh, who I looked up pictures of Mangiafuco from uh, from the original, like the Adventures of Pinocchio. Um, and that guy looks freaky. And so I think the coolest thing with anything Guillermo touches is going to be this art design, this character design um, sure. to see this world. And, yeah. and as you put it in a, in a very sort of similar you know, motion to uh, to James and the Giant Peach. That it even feels of... like Leica Studios. Yes. Like inspired, right? Like sure, very, yeah. very much that style. It looks really cool. And I, I think, you know, you hit it on the head there. It's, it's different from what we know and what we're going to be getting from Disney. So it's okay. So it, it's, it's, it's going to be interesting to see. I think uh, Nate, you, you said uh, Day of the Dead, and I think you meant uh, the Book of Life. Is that? Oh, uh, that's yes, that is what right. I meant. Sorry. And so cool. you saying that yeah. got me even less excited for oh, this no. than I was after watching the trailer, because I mean, I just thought that was a a, a, a poor uh, excuse or a poor comparison to Coco that came out around the same time. And I don't know. I'm I'm I've been waiting for years for a live action version of Pinocchio to be done right. And I'll take a Tom Hanks version of that over. I mean, even the animation style here didn't do it for me. So yeah, this was a big. This was a big pass for me. I just think uh, you say that, Kevin, but Disney's track record with their live action stuff. I, I have a feeling. I have a feeling that even though this is probably going to be more um, uh, s small cult fan, you know, following sort of idea with this movie over what Disney's got. I just. I don't know. I have a feeling that Disney's going to disappoint and this is going to come in as like decent. Well, no, Disney. <laughs> I don't know if Disney will disappoint, but Disney's going to lean on their own heritage to kind of to retell their story. Sure. Whereas I think what the advantage that this one has is obviously it being animated, going back to the more honest story of Pinocchio that that isn't necessarily 
in the Disney eyes. So right. I think they're going to be able to stand their own ground and 100% bring something different to the story. So I'm excited to see that. 2022, we don't have an official date, but Netflix, we're excited. Well, just like that, five trailers, done. Done. There we go. On to bigger things. Let's get into the news. It's all about the details. Well, before we get into our news stories, I thought we should just take a second here um, and just acknowledge uh, another week of, of tragic losses for, uh, from uh, across the board here. Um, actually, starting with uh, award-winning French actor Gispard Julio, who uh, will soon actually be uh, starring in Moon Knight as Midnight Man. Mm. Uh, he, he passed away on January 18th, uh, suffering a head injury. In, in a skiing accident in France, which and he was only he was only thirty seven. Um, he wa- was playing young Hannibal Lecter in Hannibal Rising as well. He played fashion icon Yves Saint Laurent in the movie Saint Laurent, and uh, he was also uh, a model for the Chanel Cologne. Uh, he's won two Caesar awards. Uh, yeah, it's this is gone too soon uh he is survived by a young son whose mother is french and uh, is a model and singer so um yeah a very unfortunate very sudden um and I, I'm, I'm excited to at least see i guess his last performance in moon knight as as the midnight man did you guys do you guys know him from any other projects I, I wasn't uh, really uh, familiar with him. Obviously, we were all going to be uh, formally introduced uh, with Moon Knight coming up. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just I remember hearing the news of his of his tragic passing and remembering uh, from our early teens when uh, Sonny Bono passed away in, in similar fashion. And it's mm-hmm. it's just so scary and and just goes to show you know to appreciate every second because even doing something you love and going out and having fun, everything can just take a turn for the worst out of nowhere so definitely tragic especially given how young he is and like you said he was he was just starting to make a name for himself and and moving in all the right directions with his career yeah i mean he's he's been acting since he he he, he was acting since he was a kid 1997 um up until up until now and he he's he's been really big in the the french film industry uh, and i think you know one of the things that i've I've noticed over the past uh, few years, and especially with a lot of stuff coming out of Korean cinema, um, is that there's a whole other world of movies and TV shows that, that we can get lost in, that we can enjoy. Um, so, you know, maybe checking out some of his work as a way to sort of, if, if you want to um, see where this, this man, you know, what he, what he did in, in his uh, career, uh, might be a really good idea. Uh, and so exploring some French cinema. Uh, might be might be on the the docket, but um, yeah, man, he, he uh, that's that's super tragic. Thoughts and prayers to his family, obviously. Uh, another loss: Louis Anderson, famous for his stand-up comedy, Emmy-winning roles, died uh, January twenty-first of complications related to cancer. He was sixty-eight. Uh, I don't know if you guys remember the Louis Anderson cartoon show. Yeah, of course. Uh, oh, Life with yeah. Louie was my jam. That was that was the <laughs> and he only did all the voices I ever watched with my dad. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, my dad used to have this old cassette tape of, and it was this the best of comedy, and it had Billy Crystal and 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 uh, uh, George Carlin and a whole bunch of people, uh, and we'd listen to it. And Louie Anderson was my favorite from that tape. And so when this Life with Louie cartoon came out, my dad would watch that with me on like Saturday mornings because he was such a big Louie Anderson fan. So uh, that's that's definitely where I remember him uh, from most. 
um, as I, I only checked out a, a couple episodes of uh, of uh, Baskets, but uh, he also <laughs> has his his uh, memorable debut in uh, Coming to America. He was terrific in that yeah. movie as well. And then Bad Out of the Hell singer and Fight Club actor Meatloaf died uh, age 74 on January 20th causes were were not disclosed i mean i i gotta say for you know it, it's rare for a big boy uh you know uh to 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 make it to 74 and i mean meatloaf was always just a a big old he was he was representing the big old boys uh his whole career and and uh always appreciate him for that and obviously his memorable memorable turn in in fight club is is what a lot of people will remember him for but he was certainly um, uh, groundbreaking and iconic uh, in the world of music. Uh, and the other day, uh, my brother and I were driving out to a job site, and so for the the ride out and back, we we jammed to some meatloaf, and and it was nice to uh, to to share those memories as well. I mean, that's so nice. Well, you know, it's good that you found a way to remember and be reminded of what made meatloaf special, and and hopefully everyone will find an opportunity to. Remember these talented, talented people who we've lost too soon. Um, okay, with that sad news out of the way, let's get to the news. It's our first news story from Alex Hudson, no relation to Kevin Hudson, from <laughs> Exclaim. Uh, Ontario announces plans to reopen concert venues, movie theaters, and such. Ontario has announced a plan to gradually ease its current lockdown restrictions including laying out a schedule for reopening concert venues, nightclubs, and of course, movie theaters. Uh, this is actually going to be a three-step process uh, starting January 31st uh, with half capacity being allowed in movie theaters. Then three weeks from that date, February 21st, they will expand the capacity furthermore. And then by March 14th, they're hoping for no restrictions at all. Chief Medical Officer of Health, Dr. Karen Moore said, thanks to the efforts of Ontarians going out and getting their booster dose and adhering to current public health and workplace safety measures, we are in a position where we can begin planning to gradually and cautiously ease restrictions. The months ahead will require continued vigilance as we don't want to cause any further disruption to people's everyday lives. We must continue to prevent the transmission of COVID in our communities by following measures in place and by vaccinating those who are not yet vaccinated. Um, so, yeah, this is it was crazy how what was it two weeks ago we were talking about theaters closing and not knowing when they were going to open and here we are now and there seems to be a a resurgence if you will but will it get us to a point where we won't have it happen again will it get us to the point where we're we're able to watch the batman in theaters that's that's what i care about right <laughs> right now selfishly um i think you know obviously well, you're in, you're in halifax though you guys your theaters didn't close right you oh, just yeah, had reduced yeah. capacity no for yeah. sure but i yeah, count yeah. we i count all of us as one unit justin we move as a unit as a family okay uh, if you don't get to see it i don't get to see it uh, even though i'll go there see it there is no yeah. chance you wouldn't go see it <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this is the guy who went to who went to Galaxy's okay, okay, Edge okay, by himself because he had to be the ever. first one. I get it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but you, well, we're not, so don't pretend. That, like, <laughs> yeah, we know yeah. you, bro. Be like, oh, you can't see it. Yeah, I'm gonna go see it twice before you guys can see but it. But speaking <laughs> of but speaking of being selfish, if you are vaccinated, this time of fifty percent in the theater is some of the best experiences that I've had in a theater from a standpoint of of yes, there is that that 
thing in the back of your mind that says, oh yeah, there's a pandemic going on. But also you do just, you get more space. You get, you get the ability to, to spread out. Obviously for theaters and for theater workers, um, it's good that they're still running. Um, I'm, I'm obviously for, for the amount of revenue that they need to, to continue their company, it's going to be good to get them back to butts and seats in all of the seats. Um, but I think, you know, for this brief moment of time, uh, cup half full, you know, go 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 see a movie. Uh, go support your movie theater and and enjoy yeah. the the extra you know popcorn room and arm room. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm excited. Uh, already planning to uh, go see Scream once uh, we open back up. Oh, yeah. You know? I'm, I, that's a the guilty pleasure of mine, and so uh, one I'm looking forward to. But yeah, I mean, uh, as long as things are safe and reasonably managed, and I hope I, we can go back to having popcorn and drinks in the theater itself. That's uh, that's a very essential part of the theater going experience for myself. So, uh, yeah, as long as things are safe and and everything, let's let's get back in there. I'm I'm excited, and I have a big concert this summer, so it better be cleared up by then. That's for sure. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I I feel like at this point, it's this is just the cycle that we roll in, and you know, we we talked about the five thousand jobs that were lost. Um, I don't know if it's necessarily smart if they start hiring those people right away just because we don't know how the situation is going to pan Mm -hmm. out and Mm -hmm. the way things are going up and down but yes the idea that theaters are opening and people can start getting back to to work and and we can get back to enjoying movies but i think the bigger thing is is that people can get back to work and and do you know living their lives more than anything else Uh, because you know movies will be delayed like our next story here from the hollywood reporter from aaron uh couch Mission Impossible 7 is delayed once again. The Tom Cruise-led franchise will now open July 14th, 2023, with Paramount and Skydance pushing it off its September 30th, 2022 date. <laughs> and they've also subsequently moved Mission Impossible 8, which will open now June 28th, 2024, which was previously set July 7th, 2023. So uh, this is the latest in several moves for Mission Impossible 7 uh, over the past 20 months as concerns about COVID-19 continue to shape the theatrical landscape, as we were just discussing. In April 2020, still the early months of the pandemic, Paramount pushed the project from July 2020 to December 2020. That date did not hold as Mission Impossible 7 moved again to November 19th of 2021 and then May 27th, 2022 and then September 30th, 2022. While many studios like Warner and Disney are placing their bet for their high-profile films on day-to-day streaming, Paramount has kept many of its titles, such as A Quiet Place 2, as theatrical exclusives. So both the crew starring Mission Series and the upcoming Top Gun Mavericks, which is still set for its uh, release May 27th, 2022. And this really does extend from Cruise being such an advocate for the theatrical experience and obviously because of uh, the hefty budget. Uh, in August, Cruise and director Christopher McQuarrie showed off uh, Mission Impossible 7 footage to theater owners at CinemaCon, uh, which included the latest death-defying Cruise stunt on the film. Uh, and McQuarrie was quoted saying, the only thing that scares me more is what we have planned for Mission Impossible 8. <laughs> So they're not going to be holding back. The man is 60 years old. Let's (laughs) let's let him take it easy a little here. Get a stunt double, Tom. Come on. Well, the the worst part about this is that, like, it's going to give these studios the idea that they can hire uh, 49-year-old Idris Elba to be Bond. 
uh, you know, yeah. and it's and I just don't want to see that. You, you know, <laughs> I mean, Tom Cruise is one of a kind, and he is still somehow pulling this all off. But it's just insane to think when we see Mission <laughs> Impossible Eight now, it will you know he'll be sixty three years old. That is just insane to me. Yeah, no, for sure. And and the the article does such a great job of talking about how you know. Tom Cruise really just values the theatrical experience, which is why these movies have been continuously pushed so it can preserve the theater experience. So I think that that's, you know, that's really great. When you, when you see just how incredible that skydiving scene from, from six was, I mean, Mm. all action movies sort of, you know, require or benefit from being seen on the big screen. But what Tom and, and these people who are making these mission impossible movies really do is take it to that level that just, it really is just the, the the building scene at the the Burj Khalifa uh, from from number four, I think it was, where he's climbing the side of the building. I mean, they just take these action scenes and these sequences to whole new levels that really must be seen on the big screen. So I can I can totally see why they're so hell bent on making sure that's the only way people are really going to get to experience these things for the first time. And say what you will about Tom Cruise, but I, I do think it's so admirable his commitment to filmmaking I think is really really impressive the fact that he does these stunts himself at his age um, and also just the idea of sort of you know uh, understanding that these movies are it's a whole ship it's not just one captain it's an entire ship of people and so seeing some of the stuff that came out around him uh, in reference to COVID and and keeping you know uh, keeping people safe and telling them to, to be smart on set. Well, yeah, he uh, and shoot someone idiots. out for not wearing their mask and standing yeah. too close to each other yeah. because he knows that they're doing the best that they can to keep people working. You know, yeah. I think it, there was another article um, from earlier this past week where it was Simon Pegg talking about how, you know, Mission Impossible 7 built the manual for how to film during COVID times wow. because yeah. of, of, of all of the, the restrictions and stuff like that. So, but I mean, is, is Tom going to slow down and, and focus on winning that, that, uh, you know, elusive Oscar, the man, the man needs it for that career resume before, before <laughs> he, you know, he hangs them up and, you know, he's got the three noms, but, but no big win. And you, no matter one? how fun and exciting, no, he's never won. And so no matter how fun and exciting these Mission Impossible movies are or filming in spaces as he wants to do in a few years, like, you got to go get that Oscar. You know, take after Brad Pitt and go get that Oscar, bud. Yeah. Yeah. Well, on the flip side, uh, talking about movies being delayed, more about productions being delayed as Black Panther 2 production pauses... Just as it restarts due to a COVID outbreak, Black Panther Wakanda Forever continues to face setbacks just as filming for the sequel was set to resume. A COVID outbreak on the set has caused yet another production pause for the Black Panther sequel, uh, which just resumed as we were talking about last week with uh, Letitia Wright, uh, you know, coming back uh, after a stunt accident. Um, Regardless of the outbreak, though, Black Panther 2 is still set to release in 2022 alongside the other Marvel slated projects. But I don't know, guys, what do you think? <laughs> I, I mean, think this, that it depends movie, on how long this break goes, but <clears throat> this movie can't, can't catch a break uh, by, by any means. And it's, it's so unfortunate. Cause I think, I think the, that audiences and, and, and just people in general are just really waiting to see how they, how they address uh, the loss of, of Chadwick and just to see how they, they can honor him with this movie. And I, I know they're still going to end up doing that. Um, it's just it, it, the, the aspect of, of a COVID outbreak. Like we're literally just talking about 
the the tale of two actors here with Tom Cruise, you know, shooing someone out for not wearing a mask, and then we've got some like Letitia Wright coming on and and you know just sort of being the way that she, she is and being very outspoken. Um, you know, granted, injuring yourself on 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 set and delays for that. Totally understandable. Absolutely 100%. Tom's even run into that sort of thing before. Um, but the aspect of, of just kind of almost in a way, it's it's like, well, what did you expect? You know what I mean? Like, what did you expect when you're when you're working with folks who aren't necessarily getting vaxxed or, or aren't and there's necessarily not be following these rules? Right. Right. Like there's there's not going to be a mandate. They, they can't so, at this point. Yeah. They need to get this movie done and made. And they they're they're not going to be able to really say <laughs> to these actors uh, any other you know with any other they're not going to really be able to make them follow the rules at this point because they they just need to get the movie done and they've already made so much of it. Yeah, well, I'm I'm thinking that we we could potentially see it get pushed, but I think yeah, I would if damnedest. I I'm not really a betting man, but if I was, I would say we're going to see this in 2023. I just think that's that's where it's headed. It's too close to the edge. Uh, that being said, I guess we'll wait and see. Who knows? Maybe next week we'll hear the news that it's uh, just pushed to 2023. Um, well, you know, the next story is about another superhero movie and about its ridiculously long runtime. Uh, this article is brought to you by Matthew Vale from Collider. The Batman runtime is revealed at clocking in at nearly three hours. The runtime for Matt Reeves' upcoming superhero detective thriller, The Batman, has been revealed by insiders from Warner uh, as being a hefty two hours and 55 minutes, making it the longest standalone Batman film to date. Avengers is currently the longest superhero movie at three hours and one minute, right? Um, So that is the longest. But in terms of like Batman's movies, uh, The Dark Knight Rises would be the longest. I think that's two hours and 44 minutes. Uh, But this movie will certainly take it. But you know, again, if you're going to think of all of the 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 superhero movies, Zack Snyder's The Justice League uh, is four hours and two minutes, so it really does beat it. So while it's not as big as that, uh, it's it's definitely hefty, and and especially in comparison to other detective thrillers. Like if you think of things like you know David Fincher's Seven or even his Zodiac, like two hours and seven minutes and two hours and 37 minutes, respectively. So there's also been an announcement as well uh, last week that it will be rated PG-13. So what do you guys think? Are, are you worried? Is, is I mean, the that's, gonna... that's by far the, the worst news out of there. I mean, I don't sure. care how long a movie is, as long as it's good for the whole time, as long as it's justified being that long. And, I mean, when you say that it's only going to be about 10 minutes longer than, say, The Dark Knight, then what's another 10 minutes if it allows them to tell more of a story? They've got, what, uh, several villains to, to go through. We're introducing a new iteration of Batman. You want to take them to take their time and, and do that right sure. as well. I think the PG-13, given what the, the, the trailers have made this movie look uh, to be in terms of being really dark and really brooding. I think that PG-13 holds them back from getting as dark and gritty as I really wanted from this movie. Sure, yeah. I think they can push the limits with PG-13. I think we we know that. It, uh, maybe it won't be super gory, but it, it. I think they can definitely push the violence, and that doesn't necessarily worry me, and, and nor does really the runtime. Like, you know... M- Matt Reeves is 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 known for being able to tell really cohesive stories. So it'll be interesting to see 
what has warranted this. And the fact that I was reading today as well that there was a four-hour cut that was screened that Warner Brothers then reduced. And, you know, if they're reducing it to three hours, you know, studios don't really like movies that are, are hitting close to three hours unless it really does deserve it, right? And I think, you know, you know, Warner Brothers is seeing this. They're okay with that, right? I mean, I think Warner Bros. learned from, um, you know, obviously the the Justice League, the Snyder Cut, and and from the standpoint of really just giving fans what they want. And I'm I'm excited to sort of see how they they balance the movie a little bit more with this news and the fact that yeah, we've got the Riddler, we've got Catwoman, uh, we've got Penguin, and we've got Batman. And I know the movie's called The Batman, but to Kevin's point, to establish this new world, to give us these characters that actually feel like they have growth outside of our title character. Um, I think that's really what this, this runtime gives us. Uh, and I mean, Dark Knight was rated PG 13 and that movie slaps. So I think it's going to be fine. Um, I'm really looking forward to it still. Um, I, would I like a, a Batman that could, could swear and, and, you know, shoot someone and blood be spattered, like almost like a, a Wolverine sort of level of violence. Sure. Um, but maybe, maybe we'll get there. Maybe we'll get there with, uh, with this series. Yeah. Well, we'll have to wait and see March 4th. Uh, that's, that's when the movie will hopefully be in theaters and we can actually check it out. Um, yeah. Okay, let's move into our next article from Slash Film from Ryan Scott. Mary Elizabeth Winstead enters the Star Wars universe Ooh. and joins the Ahsoka cast. Uh, the cast of the new Star Wars series on Disney Plus has a big name added to its roster. Mary Elizabeth Winstead, uh, she's known from 10 Cloverfield Lane, uh, Scott Pilgrim versus the World, and Kate, most recently, which we reviewed. Um, this comes just as production of the show is expected to begin in the spring, meaning we could hear more in regarding to casts happening soon. But I think the million-dollar question here with this casting is, who the heck is she going to be? And who might we want to see her be? In the article, Ryan Scott suggested that uh, she could be Hera uh, from yeah. from Rebels. That's which, perfect. I, I don't know, though. I feel like I'd rather see her be maybe on the dark side, if you will. Maybe mm. be a part of Thrawn's group. Because uh, we know Thrawn is probably going to be featured in this Ahsoka series. It is going to be the baddie. I'd love to see her in maybe more of that... Um, badass role because i think she you know again coming off of kate she's established herself and birds of prey um you know she's established herself as as being someone who can lean into the action and i feel like that could be an opportunity for her character it would be a waste to to bring her in and have her be Hera, the wisdom the wise one that that sort of is has a bit of a badass to her but is more of a mom right like she's kind of like the one that looks out for everyone Right, we could see her as like a, a Jedi uh, huntress of some kind. Sure, um, yeah. I think that would absolutely fit. Even if they wanted to go with an original character for her, um, mm-hmm. initially I was thinking Sabine Wren, but that was already, uh, I believe, Natasha Leo Bordizo yeah. uh, yes. is going to be Sabine Wren in, in the series. So, yes. um, yeah, man, I'm I'm just excited, as you said, with with her coming off Kate and and her capabilities, but even just her acting capabilities, um, I'm really stoked to see really where they where they take her um but i'm excited yeah I, it'll it'll be it'll definitely be interesting i hope they don't hide her behind a helmet because i think i think she does have the acting chops that you know oh, I for think sure really lend to getting to see her face yeah. but um yeah. yeah regardless man uh what a great ad for star wars and uh the, the the growing cast of actors joining star wars is just getting better and better well yeah like we also know too that anakin 
is going to be showing up. So Hayden Christensen's coming back for for this series as well. So yeah, man. You know, there's there's just there's a lot that that's in here, and I, I agree. Like coming off of Kate and and seeing, you know, she was the highlight. Mary Elizabeth Winstead was the highlight for me, at least from from that movie, from an action and acting standpoint. So you know, weak story, but great performance. So I, I'm excited to see her getting her time to shine here in a galaxy far, far away. All right. Well, our next news story is a little bit of casting news. Uh, talking about Daniel Radcliffe playing Weird Al Yankovic in a <laughs> biopic. Like, this is crazy. Um, Daniel Radcliffe, the star of Harry, the Harry Potter franchise, as we all know, is set to play Weird Al Yankovic in his biopic uh, about his life for Roku. I guess Roku has their own streaming platform. Uh, in a cheeky statement, the, uh, the comedy recording artist said he was absolutely thrilled about Radcliffe's casting, adding, I have no doubt whatsoever that this is the role future generations will remember him for. <laughs> He's uh, so cheeky. Production is set to begin in February in Los Angeles, and it will be exclusively available on the Roku channel. This is uh, this is interesting. I, I don't know, guys. How do you feel about... Do you want to see the life of Weird Al Yankovic? I definitely do. I just think, and I said this offline, but like... The Roku channel? Like, why Why are we not seeing this on something like Netflix or Star or Hulu, right? Like, it just... Yeah, but think uh, about every out. time somebody has said that about a streaming service before... Every streaming service needs to make content in order to gain a reputation right. of making good content. Where sure. was Paramount before Yellowstone? Where was, you know... Right. Where was Amazon before The Boys? Where what well, Apple was nothing before The Morning Show. You right, know? They, yeah. they all need to start somewhere. So, and I mean, we're not, we're not talking about the greatest musician of all. This isn't the Paul McCartney life story. This is it's Weird Al. I, I mean, I'm it's fine the, with Roku it's doing the it. Paul McCartney of parody music, right? Like, I I can't sure. if I think of parody music even of today. Um, you know, there's there's maybe some TikTok artists that I can think of, but nothing that's that's gotten to the level of fame. Oh, uh, nobody as Weird comes Al. close. Nobody, nobody comes, comes close. close. And I, I do think Daniel Radcliffe, such a cool role to to see him in. Um, I love that that Daniel Radcliffe isn't being typecast uh, into fantasy roles because of his his time as Harry Potter. And I'm I think it's honestly, I think this is actually set to be really, really interesting and really good. Uh, and I'm, I'm re- actually really looking forward to this movie. Um, I'm certainly, I'm certainly stoked for this. I mean, I'm, I'm a huge Weird Al fan. Alapalooza back in 1993 was, was one of my first CDs I ever bought, and then Bad Hair Day in '96. I mean, I'm, I'm a big Weird Al guy, so I'm very excited for this movie. And again, obviously, we're gonna get the, the laughs, and I, I sound like a broken record here, but I do think. You know, they have an opportunity to show some of the maybe darker moments of Weird Al's life, some of the relationships he's had. And, you know, um, Daniel Radcliffe in Imperium is probably the best performance I've seen from the guy mm-hmm. uh, outside of, of Harry Potter. And, and yeah, he can do the dramatic stuff. So if he really lets himself fall into this role, if he really takes on that persona of a young Weird Al, um, this is going to be this is going to be pretty stellar. So I'm, I'm really looking forward. Have to we this. have we ever heard him? Without a British accent? Yeah, in Imperium, he, he's got, like, an American accent. Oh, okay. He does, he does fine. He nails it. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm going to have to look at that and see. you got to check so. that movie out, dude. It's so oh, good. I'm rarely concerned about a, a British actor, especially a talented one, doing um, an American accent. It's Americans butchering a British accent. And, I mean, the only exception to the other way around is Charlie Hunnam in Sons of Anarchy. The guy <laughs> can't hide his accent to, to save his life. Uh, but... Uh, <laughs> 
I digress. <laughs> awesome. Uh, well, next story uh, from Kimberly Potts uh, from Rotten Tomatoes. The MonsterVerse is heading to Apple TV+. Plus. Did you guys hear about this? Apple TV has given a series order to an untitled live-action Godzilla series after kicking the keister of his fellow MonsterVerse beast King Kong on the big screen in last year's Godzilla vs. Kong, Kev's favorite film. Uh, Godzilla will now tangle, tangle with Titans on the small screen. The series is, is co-created with Chris Black, uh, who will serve as a showrunner, and Matt Fraction from Hawkeye, uh, who wrote the, the Hawkeye series, is, is, is taking part. We'll tell the stories of Godzilla and the Titans. Oh, wow. Uh, while also unfolding the journey of a family that's trying to uncover its own buried secrets and its links to the secret yep. monarch organization and a world that has been forced to realize monsters are a real thing. Uh, the series is going to be connected to the existing Legendary's MonsterVerse, the big screen versions, uh, which all began in, in 2014 with Godzilla and has carried through to 2017's Kong Skull Island, 2019's Godzilla King of the Monsters, and Godzilla versus Kong. So what do you guys think? You think it's, uh, it's probably good that Apple TV takes their uh, budget for the foundation and actually puts it to something that maybe people would want to watch because I don't think that series did overly well for them based well, on wh- well, the, what I've the heard. foundation was 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 fine. I think it's it's going to really. I hope if they get a second season for it, that will pick up steam and and get people more into it. But um, but no, I, I'm excited about the fact that this is Apple TV Plus. Um, I think Justin, you and I were talking offline in, in regards to the idea that yeah, this could really go back to the roots of the first Godzilla movie that we got, um, yeah. and and get that 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 vibe of getting to see a family experience go through these things and the dynamics that go into that. And maybe not the monsters always being the big monsters, but maybe the monsters being, you know, the humans as, as you would. But I think it, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see if, you know, we do get maybe a hint or a, a quick shot of these monsters. Um, and, 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 you know, it's not just all focused on them because I do think that balance well, you, is what really can help a series like this if you're going to be watching it for more than the length of a movie. Right? I, I like, think again, I th- in the description that is here, you know, the journey of a family that's trying to uncover its own buried secrets and realizing, you know, they live in a world with monsters. Like I think that that's very kind of conducive to what you're talking about, where it's it's going to have a balance of like personal drama with tension and and you know action of of monster-esque proportions so uh hopefully they can stick to landing with that and it doesn't become too heavy-handed but you know i think you were also saying like what if they don't show you a monster until the very end like yeah you know, sure of the, of the season finale that's it's all fine. just hints yeah no. yeah because again i i just think it's like how much can you really tell a story with Godzilla right at the center of the screen. I just don't know how much you can get, get away with it. And, and you know, there's really long scenes with, with King Kong in, in Godzilla versus Kong uh, and, and long scenes with Godzilla where it's just them and it's, they're just dragged out and it just feels like it, it either you can only go so far with a non-speaking character. Um, so I just, I think that they're really going to need to rely on the human aspect of this story. And I, I think that's kind of where they're going to place it. Our next article is 
from Slash Film from uh, Valerie Ettenhofer. Ana de Armas fans are suing Universal for <laughs> false advertising after discovering her yesterday's scene was cut. So two apparently diehard fans of Ana de Armas took to court this week filing a federal class action lawsuit against Universal in regards to the actress's actress cut performance from the 2019 film yesterday. I didn't even know she was supposed to be in it. Neither did uh, this I. Comes from, yeah, this, come, this part comes from Variety in court documents obtained by the outlet. Um, Maryland resident uh, Connor Wolf and California resident Peter Michael Rosa accused the studio of deceptive marketing. The suit alleges that both men viewed a trailer for Danny Boyle's film, which tells the story of an of an alternate world where no one has heard the Beatles, then you know they paid three ninety nine and rented this damn movie, and the trailer of the film featured Demars, uh, and but the actress did not actually appear in the movie. Um, the plaintiffs are arguing via class action lawsuit that the studio engaged in false, misleading deceptive advertising by presenting Deras in the trailer, despite the fact that she doesn't appear in the movie at all. Their lawsuit also notes streaming services like Amazon Prime are designed with trailers on the same screen as the purchase option so that a consumer can make that instant decision to purchase or rent a movie without consulting other sources. So basically, because they saw this saw her in the trailer that was on Amazon. They were just like, oh, okay, I'll watch it. They're seeking $5 million on behalf of this. That I would have just asked for my money back. $5 million. Yeah, that, and that's probably what they'll get. Here's yeah, your $9 exactly. back. Go away. This is, this is just two idiots just trying to take advantage of an opportunity because they they think that they're able to get away with this that they're going to spend money in lawyer, lawyer fees and and have to to put all this money into this and they're not going to get away with this and it's like cool so then what do they do do they try to tackle disney and marvel and the avengers by saying those scenes weren't in Avengers Endgame or Avengers Infinity War so like give me yeah. give me 8 million dollars like it just it doesn't it doesn't make any sense the only thing that this that this story brings up is that concept of the aspect of like you know do do we need do do movie studios need to stop putting stuff in their trailers that isn't in movies sure i i get that that can be misleading but i i just i don't know man like we're we're in a day and age well, where we're talking just, about yeah, all these it, film it, delays it, it, and we these it, movies are going to be made up until sometimes the last week of before it comes out. So of course there's going to be changes like this. I just, well, this, it, it just, but, it's, but also it's, to use it's it, ridiculous to expect that you're going to get this much money out of the studio. It's, it's silly. sure. I, I think, I think the only thing is, is that it, it's, it, the question comes in on, on at what point is like it too much, right? Cause you didn't see people suing Marvel and Disney right. over infinity war saying like, Hey, that scene at the end when they're all running, yeah. I wanted to, I went to go I bought a ticket to see that seat exactly. right like it's you know that's that just doesn't happen so it's interesting uh you know all power to these guys but I don't know if they'll get <laughs> they'll get anything. anything for it if anything they're so. going to lose money so good good on you <laughs> yeah good on you <laughs> we'll have to see how that all pans out. But guys, we got through all those news stories. Well, that's it for this week in Geek. Thanks for tuning in wherever you listen to podcasts. If you haven't already, 
be sure to subscribe and leave us a glowing review. We always appreciate the love. And also, you can also reach out to us, say hi, ask us a question about any of the news or trailers we've covered today or anything we cover in general. And you can do so by reaching out to us at wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. That's wearegeekcentric at gmail.com or on Twitter at GeekcentricYT or on Instagram at wearegeekcentric. Keep in mind, we also have a ton of other episodes covering a variety of other content and new content always coming out, such as our ongoing watch club for the Book of Boba Fett with Chapter 5 coming later this week. But we did post our spoiler-free and spoiler-filled review for Netflix Ozark Season 4 Part 1. That's a mouthful. And uh, on Monday, we posted our fake or real Star Wars edition as we bring back one of our favorite games hosted by the boastfully boastful showman Nate. <laughs> and yes, he had a litter holding him the entire duration of the game. They were super uh, to keep tired himself in character. Yeah. Yeah, to keep yeah. himself in character. Of course, it was just for us. It was not for the audience, but no. uh, we appreciate it. Nobody <laughs> will even know other than what you just said. Like, it's, you know, I'm glad uh, their work is going to appreciate it now. So. It was a fun episode. So go check yeah. that out. Uh, we got more on the way. But uh, until next time, guys. Kev, Nate, thanks for joining me for This Week in Geek. And as yeah. we say, love ya. Stay home safe, guys. Peace. <laughs>